Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Today, here on Cincy Business Talk with Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. We'll be talking to business leaders about how they have grown their businesses and people. We discuss new strategies, tactics, and philosophies which lead to positive growth in our marketplace. Our program is sponsored by Sandler Training by Roth & Associates. Each week, we'll talk with our best Cincinnati area top executives about their tools and insights. Our regular listeners will be given the edge that will help them win in a competitive environment which we live. Simple solutions to complex problems which challenge all of us are rarely correct. We will address complex problems or opportunities with appropriate solutions. If you have questions or comments, contact Mike at Mike Roth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400. Now your host, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer, Mike Roth. Thanks, Scott. This is Mike Roth. I'm here with John Westheimer. Thanks for joining us today, John. Thank you. John's got a phenomenal resume in the uh, building and construction industry. And uh, before we get started, let me uh, tell everyone what's what's going to be happening here uh, tomorrow and next week. Uh, tomorrow we have uh, Tim Reddick, and he's going to be talking about building an IT services company. On next Thursday, we're going to have Ryan Kiefer from Prime Lending. He runs that operation here in uh, Cincinnati, and he's going to be talking about the mortgage lending business, primarily for residential, but for those of you who are in the marketplace of buying a lot of properties and fixing them up and flipping them, and his company also handles mortgages on those types of properties. On the 17th of August, we're going to have Craig Roberts, who's going to talk about uh, the status of commercial real estate here in the Cincinnati area. The following week, on the 23rd, we have Barbara Culver from Resonate. That's a financial services company. And on the 24th, we're going to have Troy Augustine from InNet Interactive. So that's an exciting schedule. We also have an exciting event coming up on the Sandler training calendar on Wednesday, I think it is, August 30th. We have a Sandler cold call camp. That's how to make cold calls, how to get by gatekeepers, how to build three scripts, how to get prospects to return 70% or more of your voicemail messages. We only have about 12 seats left available for that, and the normal retail price on that is $595. If you call Carmen on 513-753-9400, extension 106, tell her you heard about the cold call camp coming up, she'll take $100 off your, your price. So, John Westheimer, born in Cincinnati, right, John? Good, good Cincinnati accent a Cincinnati Country Day School graduate, attended the uh, Carnegie Institute of Technology at uh, Carnegie Mellon University, and started your first company back in 1969, a company called May Creek in Oregon. That's correct. What is a Cincinnati boy doing in Oregon? I was lost. You you got lost. Okay. (laughs) Turn left on Madison and you kept going. (laughs) 
Okay, you were purchasing uh, uh, real estate there, selling selling timber. Timber. Oh boy, livestock ranching. Yeah. Wow, how does a Cincinnati boy get involved in livestock ranching? Don't have enough time today. Don't have enough time today. Well, yeah. Uh, in 1977, you got employed by Chelsea Moore, a real estate uh, developer here in Cincinnati. Came to your senses and came back to town. Okay, good. Okay, yeah. Uh, in 1980, you founded your own company called Westhorn, which is a general contractor real estate development company in Cincinnati. 1995, uh, he was president and founder of Cincinnati Commercial Contracting, LLC, and Cincinnati Commercial Property Management. Those are your cu- current companies, right, yes. John? Yes, yeah, they are mine. Okay, and John is chairman and president of Cincinnati Commercial Group, a company that provides administrative services to other companies in brother-sister businesses and entities in greater Cincinnati. What, what is that all about, that, that means just for the companies we own and operate. Ah, okay, so you're a services company for your own other Yeah, companies. I don't know why that's in there. <laughs> I don't know either. <laughs> Since you're the guy who wrote it, I'm, I'm worried about it. Okay. <laughs> CCC, or Cincinnati Commercial Contracting, is a company that's involved in the developing commercial real estate and has a number of notable projects. That 1985 project was the Red Bank Corridor, and those buildings are still there. In, in, yeah, they are still there. That's a good thing. That's a good thing, yeah. In 2005, CCC developed Arbor Square, an 80-acre commercial site in Deerfield Township near Mason. In 2009, Cincinnati Commercial Contracting and Cole Realty developed the 47-acre Army Depot site in Sharonville. That was that was, you bought that from the federal government. We bought it uh, via the city of Sharonville from the federal government. It was a uh, storage site for the military, and then we turned it into an industrial park. Oh, okay. And and that project is finished and all leased out or sold. It's uh, all but six acres. All but six. Six acres. So anyone who wants six acres of land in Sharon, see John. Uh, John, why don't you tell the folks on the show how you got here? How, how did you decide to go from Timba in Oregon to uh, commercial real estate in Cincinnati? What? Well, it was a it was a big mistake. It was a but big I've enjoyed mistake. it for many years. So what happened? What happened was when I was young, I took off and ended up in Oregon, and I ended up out there in the timber business and logging and ranching, and then uh, through a series of events, uh, did quite well at it, decided to come back here to where my family was, and I had a great family of local business people, and decided to uh, just rejoin the family, if you will. So you decided to stop being a lumberjack? Uh, Yeah. Okay. But it, it was a great life. I mean, there was nothing wrong with it, and so when I came back here, I had no applicable skills at all. And my father said, what are you going to do for a living? And I said, I don't have a clue. So he introduced me to a friend of his who was a developer who he had invested with, a fellow by the name of Wally Seinsheimer, who was then president of Chelsea Moore. And uh, he gave me a job in one of their subsidiaries, commercial construction. And then, you know, I've just stayed with that ever since. That would be 1977. Mm-hmm. So it's it's been a great, a lot of fun, and still growing and still learning. Good. Industry. So uh, just for my listeners to keep it straight, how many companies do you own, John? 
in the uh, family? The uh, we have about uh, I think about thirty thirty five partnerships. Thirty five partnerships. And these partnerships own real estate, develop real estate, they manage properties, they construct things, they do all kinds of things. So mostly they own individual properties. Some of them are partnerships. Some of them are solely owned. Okay. And what's your uh, newest uh, project here in Cincinnati? Our newest? At least that you can talk about publicly. <laughs> well, in terms of development, we have, we just finished a uh, strip center in Hamilton, and the tenants are moving in now. That's a 20,000-foot infill strip mm-hmm. yeah, right on Main Street, and it we managed to build that fully leased. That was a good project, a partner, Brandy Corp., a uh, great partner. They picked up the end of the leasing. They had a fully lease. We developed the site and uh, property and built it. And I think everybody, including the customers, are extremely happy with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how long did that project take from start to finish? Well, um, it probably took several months to – probably took five months to actually acquire the ground, complete the leases, get the financing in place. It probably took almost the same amount of time to just physically construct it. Um, so it sounds like you completed the whole project and got at least out in a year. Oh, under a year on that one. Yeah. Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah, it's been a gr- it's been a great job. It's gone very smoothly. It was mm-hmm. a difficult, very tight site, and it was actually almost in the parking lot of the shopping center, which made it difficult to develop. There were a lot of people who had interest in that section a lot, but at the same time made it easy to build. Because there was pavement all around us, we weren't very weather vulnerable. So that took a lot of risk out of the construction. So it's been a great project. Mm, okay, that's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the uh, real estate construction horizon, what do you see happening? Well, the real estate and cons- the commer- we're only in commercial construction, so you want to leave out anything with beds in it. We don't do any. No ha- hotels. No hotels, no motels. No medical to speak of. We'll do some medical once in a while, but we're not far from experts at it. I know you had a, a great predilection not wanting to go more than two stories tall. Is that still true? Uh, that's that's still true, although I'm getting ready to build a three-story building. So uh, always a sucker for a challenge. That's well, who you're talking to. Good. <laughs> what part of town are you going to build a three-story building? That'll be in the city of Cincinnati. In the city of Cincinnati. Yeah. Okay. Mayor Mallory must love you. <laughs> well, the city's very hard to build in right now, but it's it's you know every place to build is a good place to build in this environment. Sure, sure. Uh, can you say what part of town it is? It's in? Uh, not yet, but uh, permits aren't up. Okay. Yeah. Good. Uh, so you, you you've built all these buildings uh, that, you, that your company's on. How do you go to market? Do you actually market the properties, or do you always go to real estate uh, partners to market properties? Well, we like real estate partners. We like we like partners who are leasing people. Mm-hmm. We have many joint ventures with people who are in commercial industrial leasing. We give them an opportunity to own property, and we do all the difficult administrative work, the construction and things that you know are are not leasing and not sales, and they they uh, are able to own property just for being great the great salespeople they are. Um, now, those have been good relationships. What about the uh, day-to-day headache of property management? Do you take that? Uh, yes, we do that generally for each property. 
And after 30 years, you get better at it and you start to learn how to have a happy customer. Uh, it, it's sometimes challenging. At times, tenants uh, want to make demands, but you, you have to learn to be candid and pleasant mm-hmm. and helpful. And and that's that's a difficult thing. And some people are born good at it, but our company said to learn. <laughs> okay. So do you, do you have more than one person in that property management function? Or do you have a customer service department? Well, we have one person who interfaces with the customers, but at times all of us will. I mean, we're not so st- structured that if a customer has a problem or a request that's urgent, there are several people that are happy to, to chip in and help. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Sandler's got a great customer service course. We're always looking <laughs> for people who want to uh, participate in that. In the marketplace today, what do you see as the, the obstacles to more development uh, in our community? The obstacles are lack of growth outside of government. That would be the most primary obstacle. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> another one would be the difficulty of financing, because when people go to get a mortgage with a bank, the banks uh, are insisting on level of detail of inspection of the company that's amazing even to me. Well, And it's really time-consuming for our customers. Well, you're going to have to uh, spend some time talking to uh, our future guest, uh, Ryan Kiefer, who uh, does a little bit of commercial, and their bank is a a lot looser than some of the ones that are around here. And that bank is? Uh, Prime Lending is the name that they operate under. The the bank is based in Dallas. It's primarily a, uh, a business bank, and... Uh, they're 80% in the lending business for mortgages. Okay, well, yeah, we'll have and to do some commercial. But the uh, compared to a few years ago, in 2007, our customers would call up their banks and say, hey, man, I need a million dollars. And the banker would say, it's in your account, and we'd go build them a building. Mm. Today, they're inspecting every nook and cranny and looking to uncover things that really are never there, but that's their regulations tell them they have to do that. Yeah, they want to find out if you're burying nuclear waste underneath the foundation. Right, or, you know, many things, <laughs> things we can't imagine. <laughs> okay. And uh, what do you see as the opportunities and possibilities uh, as we look out over the next few years in our marketplace? I'd say the greatest opportunity in this marketplace is to rebuild the manufacturing sector. Rebuild the manufacturing yeah. sector. Let's talk about that some more, John, after we take a short commercial break. And uh, if anyone wants to ask John a a commercial construction or or real estate question, the call-in number today, because John has agreed to take calls, is 646-595-4916. I'll repeat that again. 646-595-4916. And we'll be able to uh, take your calls in, in a moment or two. This is Mike Roth with Sandler Training, finding power and reinforcement. Are you tired of prospects saying, I want to think it over? Are you tired of being an unpaid consultant? Call me at 513-646-6523. This is Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. If you're a salesperson or a company owner, my message is critical for you. Today, I want to talk to you about the real secret of getting out of debt. Earn more money. Most salespeople and owners 
want to sell more at a higher price with better margins, but don't know how. I've helped hundreds of people and companies grow over 30% per year by making an investment in themselves. Albert Einstein said, insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. I teach my clients new and different strategies, tactics, and behaviors that get dramatic results. I'm not for everyone. I'm tough, expensive, abrasive, and not politically correct. But if you want results, we need to talk. Call me at 513-646-6523. Give me your toughest questions. Then, if you qualify, I'll invite you in for a free meeting. 513-646-6523. Company owners and sales managers, are you tired of cutting your price to get the deal? Wouldn't you like to have a better way? Wouldn't you want to improve your margins? Call me, Mike Roth, at 513-646-6523 to see if there's a better way for you. This is Mike Roth. I'm back with uh, John Westheimer. Uh, John, we were going to talk about, you said manufacturing before the break, if I remember you right. But before, right. before we do that, just in case anyone wants to contact you after the show, why don't you tell them how to get a hold of you? The best way to reach me is by telephone. That would be 513-561-6633, and I'm at extension 103. Do you have an email address, John, that people can use? jwestheimer at cincygroup.com, C-I-N-C-I-G-R-O-U-P.com. And our website is www.ccontracting.com. So, John, let's talk a little bit more about this uh, idea of manufacturers building uh, a new building. When is that economic, as opposed to staying in rented space? Well, I mean, you could be rented space. The problem, the thing you see in manufacturing in this area, we have many, many 19th century manufacturing facilities. And when I say 19th century, I mean, you go into many of these plants, and it's like going back in time. They're dirty, they're dark, they're crowded because uh, they've run out of space. They don't want to. They don't want to move. Moving's expensive, difficult, and so when you get into a place like Cincinnati, that has had manufacturing for many, many years, uh, many of them great family businesses. Uh, a lot of these companies are hitting the wall. What I mean is, uh, we build for people. And we see employees, they'll walk, take a product from one end of the building to the other end of the building, back to the first end of the building, make left turn, go down the basement, do something to it, take it up to the second floor, and they're wasting enormous amounts of time, and which is money, mm-hmm. and payroll money, and energy, because these places were built when energy was basically free. Okay, so and, it's a Model T plant. Yeah, Model T plant, but today... With robotics, with modern technology, when we when a new plant's built, the first thing our owners do is say, I don't remember what I did for a living at the old plant because I have so much free time. Because the, the people that we built new manufacturing for have found that they're able to save 20% of their workforce. They're able to cut their energy bills sometimes by 50%. And their own personal time is freed up from managing 19th century facilities, keeping the old water pumps going, the old junk working, to now thinking of ways to run a better business, market new products, 
and be positive. So it's it's been very enlightening to redo these factories lately. Right. Well, are, are you rebuilding old factories or building new ones? Building new ones because the old technology, we can get so much more clear span space in a building, higher ceilings, more light. I mean, the workers are working in daylighted projects where they can see things clearly and work in detail. Uh, we walk into, we work, if you go into some of these old plants, they may only have, you know, 20 foot candles of light and people trying to do detailed work with task lighting. When you come in, you build them a new building, they can see what they're doing, production goes up, quality goes up, defects go down. Hard things to measure when you're selling it. Mm-hmm. But if you go walk through these structures and you're, you're an owner of a business, you quickly see what you can do. And that uh, it's, we've improved a lot of people's lives this way. It's been, it's been great fun so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, how long have you been building manufacturing uh, plants? We've been building a sophisticated manufacturing for probably six or seven years. We've been building industrial, commercial, and structures construction, you know, of all types for 30, but real manufacturing where things are really getting built, and, you know, maybe plants over 50,000 feet only since about 2007, 6, 7, 8. What part of town is, are they going up in? Well, Sharonville's been a great area because uh, it's a very business-friendly town. They encourage manufacturing. Mm-hmm. They don't mind if people have a little dirt on their shoes. Mm-hmm. Some of the other cities don't want that. So we've done a lot there. We've done some up in Monroe, Ohio, mm-hmm. Springboro, Ohio. We're doing a nice shot. We've done some in Mason, some in Hillsboro. So have, just all around the region. Have you done anything with the, uh, the Northern Shore, Kentucky? Claremont County and the old uh, Ford plant? Not yet. I would bet most of that's still empty. Yeah, I've, I've not been in touch with those those people yet, but that's a great opportunity. Mm-hmm. Good. Uh, just to play a little bit of devil's advocate with you, John, why should someone who's renting cheap old space for manufacturing consider spending good money to build a new building and increase their their cost of operation by paying for a new building. Well, you have to, you have to take the entire cost of operation into account. Because if you just look at the cost of facility ownership, you're skipping the thing that never you know, never ceases to punish you, which is labor and energy and all of the types of things that go on in your process every day, including inefficient operations. Mm-hmm. So even though you might be able to find an old building and lease it for three bucks a foot, um, but then to heat it might cost as much as the rent. Okay, I can build a building today where heating is such a small part of the cost through insulating, through geothermal, through all these strategies people have developed for us to cut all of the occupancy expenses, not so the building putting, but everything else. Are you putting geothermal in... Uh, industrial buildings? Yes, yeah. Really? Yeah, we did it at Cutall Products in Sharonville. Mm-hmm. And the uh, Cutall had about 70,000 feet before they moved, and about 20,000 was air conditioned. When they moved, they 
had about 50,000 feet air conditioning, including the manufacturing space, which actually generates a lot of heat. Mm-hmm. And uh, their heat bills went down. Heat bills went down. down. Their gross wow. heat bill went down. So that allows now their workers to work in more comfort, better lighting conditions. I mean, production goes up, problems go down. Absenteeism is less of a problem. These are hard to measure when you just look at the cost of owning a building. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we've heard a lot of talk recently about uh, solar power, uh, photo cells on buildings, and uh, lead certification. Can you uh, tell us what your opinions are on those on those type of projects? Okay, solar power uh, has to work in my in my. The knowledge I have is not extensive. It requires the Shreks or the Duke Energy to buy power from you mm-hmm. at a high rate to make that work. So right now the cost of the you called it a Shrek. It's called a Shrek. I don't know why it's called a Shrek. That's a cartoon. It's called character. a Shrek. Yeah. What does no, that mean? No, it's not a big green guy. Not a big green guy. No, it's a, it's some program where uh, the public utilities are forced to buy energy that. Forced to somehow buy energy that's generated through solar or wind. Okay. And I'm not knowledgeable. Like I said, I'm Okay, so you haven't put in a building with solar and wind no. yet? No, because when my clients look at it, I normally have a very practical customer. Mm-hmm. And they go, why do I want to do this? It's too dependent on something I can't control. Because they're manufacturers, they want to control everything. They're mm-hmm. waiting. But generally, a lot of our buildings, we build them strong enough for solar panels. They want to do it. We we make the roof strong enough to hold them in a lot of cases, but they're waiting till the cost of the panels comes down a little bit. Yeah. Okay. That that's an, that can be an expensive uh, uh, problem. So there are people doing it. I see panels everywhere. Well, Dan Myers did that for the Red Cross building along right. 71. But they're relying on these Shrek certificates to make it work. Uh, and that can go away any moment. I don't know. Mm. Don't know. Not knowledgeable enough. Yeah, okay. okay. I, and what about this lead certification? Lead certification. Is, is that important in, in reality? Well, in my personal opinion. Your personal opinion. It's a great marketing tactic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it helps people who have certain customers qualify. Mm-hmm. But most of the things we do on a lead certified building, most people would do anyway because they're common sense. Like? They're, um, well, yeah. renewal. You're going to use uh, steel that's been recycled. Well, all steel that you use in the building business is recycled anyway. Because of the blast furnace, come on. It comes from scrap. All the low grade steel we use in building come out of scrap. Furnaces that come out, you know. The um, the brick and block are made locally. The uh, you know so many of these things. So it becomes a paperwork exercise. It becomes an exercise of documenting what we're doing anyway so that the customer can get lead certification. Now, we have to do a little bit more. I mean, maybe we put parking places for fuel-efficient vehicles, the bike rack, the are showers. You, are you actually putting in showers? What? Yeah, well, you get showers. lead points for a shower because when you go out on your lunch break and exercise, you get to take a shower when you come back. Oh, okay. I, I guess you don't exercise at lunch, Mike? Yeah, I go to the gym. Okay. 
if I'm going to take a shower, I'm going to do it there. Okay. Uh, well, but that you did bring up an interesting point. Are, are you building buildings where where you have exterior electric chargers for cars like uh, the Volt or the Leaf? Have not yet done that, but that's that'll be just a matter of time. It, it seems like uh, there could be an, an interesting. I'm going to call it a revenue opportunity by putting a charging meter outside, the same way they, the city of Cincinnati charges for parking at the curb. You know, parking in the, in the plant parking lot is, you know, free, but if you want to plug in your car, <laughs> they charge you a dollar an hour. That's I mean, like the company store, isn't it, Mike? Well, you know, pretty know. soon I'll go to work at the factory and then I'll have to pay them to work there because I chose my car. Could be. <laughs> I guess you don't own an electric car yet. Not yet. No, we had uh, uh, a fellow Brian Wielhauser on who uh, uh, actually is converting trucks to 100% electric operation. Mm. Yeah. Decal Impressions is the name of his company. Uh, let's take a, a short commercial break. And, again, if you want to call in and ask John a question, the number is 646-595-4916. This is Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. If you're a salesperson or a company owner, my message is critical for you. Today, I want to talk to you about the real secret of getting out of debt. Earn more money. Most salespeople and owners want to sell more at a higher price with better margins, but don't know how. I've helped hundreds of people and companies grow over 30% per year by making an investment in themselves. Albert Einstein said, insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. I teach my clients new and different strategies, tactics, and behaviors that get dramatic results. I'm not for everyone. I'm tough, expensive, abrasive, and not politically correct. But if you want results, we need to talk. Call me at 513-753-9400, extension 102. Give me your toughest questions. Then, if you qualify, I'll invite you in for a free meeting. 513 513- Seven five three nine four zero zero extension one zero two. This is Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. Finding power and reinforcement is what it's all about. Today, I want to tell you about the ways that our clients have found to fix their companies and lives. Earn more money. I'm not for everyone. I'm expensive, tough, abrasive, and not politically correct. But if you want to have great financial results, we need to talk. Albert Einstein said insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. I teach my clients new and different strategies, tactics, and behaviors that get dramatic results. If you're serious, dedicated to getting better, and want to earn more money by selling more to balance your budget, we need to talk. Call me, Mike Roth, at 513-646-6523. Tell me your toughest business problems. Then, if you qualify, I'll invite you in for a free meeting. 513-646-6523, on the web at rothconsulting.net. This is Mike Roth, back with uh, John Westheimer. John, did you want to talk about that windmill on 275? No? I, I guess I don't know anything about the windmill. Oh, okay, one company, Melink, that built a uh, wind, uh, windmill on 275 for power generation so they could be power self-sufficient, get off the grid. I, I think it's great. I love to be off the grid myself. So Me too. I'm jealous of them. 
I think you need wind to make that work. And I spent 20 years in California. I can see solar cells in California and solar heat, solar panels. Um, Nevada. Any place that has a lot of sun. Right. We are unreliable here in Cincinnati about sun. Uh, what do you think people are looking for most in uh, commercial construction for manufacturing today? What are people asking you for more than anything else? I think I see with our customers today, they want to have a, they want to be treated well with candor. They want quality because they've got tremendous amount of cash. The banks are asking them to put a lot of money in. So they're very demanding as to the quality of the work, the durability of the work. We're mostly design build, so we get involved in the design side. So they want low maintenance. So they want something back for their investment. They don't want to spend a lot of money taking care of it after it's built. Uh, they want tremendous value. Uh, that's a huge day out. Again, money's not as hard to find. So uh, one project that comes to mind I'm working on right now, I've, we've reworked their building five times, six times, just shedding all the fat, looking for places to take things that are just not going to be used a lot that they don't need to buy, how to make it so it can be added to a little bit later, and everything they can to bring it down within where it's easy to finance. Okay. Today, as stingy as the bankers are with their money, the rates are impossibly low. They can't stay this low, and it's probably the most opportune time you will have for many years because if you look at um, the building business, mm -hmm. home building has returned as a, as a viable uh, profession. It's picking up. Yes. It's picking up. It's out of zero, probably up to one or two out of ten. Mm -hmm. And that's uh, the people that did not go out of business in terms of these subcontractors and mechanical trades. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they've been in commercial and they loved residential, we're losing them in commercial. Mm -hmm. So that takes away some of our workforce. Then the banks are freer with their money, which is like gone from zero to almost a little bit. And so, you know, the, the commercials picked up some. And so when you look at that, there's going to be a labor shortage. The subcontractors are going to get back the money they've lost all these years. I mean, most of our subs, had made no money between 2009-2012. Mm -hmm. And they are eager to survive, and they will. It's because of the shortage, their prices will come up commensurately, mm -hmm. and you will see the price of construction go up a lot, and you will see the cost of money go up a lot. My personal guess is I have no way of knowing after the election. Oh, yeah, they'll have to hold it till the election. Right, and then all of a sudden, magically, rates will start going up, Mm -hmm. So if you are thinking of, if you're contemplating an improvement to your business that involves new construction, it's really a great time to pull the trigger. I, mean, I know people are nervous and worried, and but the world's not going to come to an end. Uh, I see a lot of businesses making investments in, the, in their people by uh, growing training. We've actually had to add more classes here in Cincinnati uh, to cover all the people that wanted to be in training. Uh, we've just seen a an almost explosive, uh, I'm going to call it pent-up demand. Uh, in your world, well, I'm going to change the subject a little bit. Okay, John? 
Okay. We've got a thesis here in doing business that uh, simple solutions to complex problems are invariably wrong. And if you have a complex problem, you need an equally complex solution to solve it. Maybe you could share with our audience a complex problem that you solved using a complex solution. Uh, don't give away any trade secrets, but uh, something that logically someone else could follow and, and put into practice in their business because uh, it's extremely rare that simple solutions to complex problems work. They almost always cause more problems, whereas if you have a complex problem, you apply a complex solution to it, you actually can solve the problem. Well, that's the normal construction cost problem. Please? The normal construction cost problem. My building costs too much. I don't want to spend that much. Mm-hmm. But I want a new factory. Or I want a, want a new office. Mm-hmm. And the only way you can solve that is look at the you know, hundreds and thousands of materials in, in a building mm-hmm. and look at each one carefully and see how they're being used in the plan and if they're being used to their optimum. Or, you know, uh, an easy way to look at it is if you look at a, a clear span on a building. That's a big, simple... I'm distance. sorry, some people might not understand well, what Well, if you look at uh, how you hold up a roof. Oh, yeah. Good idea you to hold a up column, a roof. You have a column on one on side end. and the other, and, yep. and you need to hold up a span of roof. Good. So there are many ways to hold up a piece of roof. You could, you could do it with a wood truss, mm-hmm. like you do your house. You can do it with a steel truss. Called mm-hmm. a bar joist, you can um, you can have a column. You can do it with a pre-engineered steel plate uh, with the truss that's specifically engineered mm-hmm. for the building. And those would be the three and commer- uh, three most common uh, uh, methods you see. Well, you know, there right there, you have three different ways of holding up a roof. Right. So if your price is too high, are you using a wood truss? where you should use a pre-engineered steel structure. What does pre-engineered mean? Pre-engineered is a, is a type of building structural system where a, a building is actually manufactured in pieces in a factory. We assemble it in the field. It's called pre-engineered. Butler was the inventor of this, Butler Building Systems. Mm-hmm. There are many copies today, but... Uh, the methodology used is that each structural member is engineered exactly for that use. One time built. One time. And so you get much more efficiency out of the product. So you put buildings up that are manu- uh, designed and engineered by Butler? Many, uh, yeah. They're a primary supplier in that area. Okay. And, and they'll custom engineer the steel for that building? Yes. Based on my lot and my design plans? The, on your usage. So By usage. how much weight you put on the structure, hang mm-hmm. from the structure, what you're doing inside of it. Some hanging jet engines from the roof. You need a different kind of structure than if you don't. Okay. Exactly. And uh, that's a great company. It's great for long, open areas with very few columns. Mm-hmm. That's what that's best used for. That's um, very efficient cost-wise. Yeah, if I'm going to process... Uh, I don't know what that is, building uh, printing plants for web presses. Those are specific buildings where you need super flat floors. Flat floors, they're going to be air conditioned. Mm -hmm. You may have to put rooftop units on that roof. 
You may have to control the humidity. You probably will. With paper, you will. Yeah. And a lot of demands in the printing industry. Lots and lots of power to mm-hmm. run those beautiful presses. And when Have you, you run into any problems with buying infrastructure for your projects? Infrastructure meaning? Uh, elect- electrical power transformers. Uh, not yet. Hmm. Peter Wenzel across the street at uh, General Data was on the show a couple of months ago, and he was telling us about a problem. He was improving the uh, plant manufacturer and putting more efficient equipment into the building and wanted to improve the heating and air conditioning. And uh, his electrical contractor came to him and said, well, we need more power from new, new transformer from the street. And Peter said, okay, just buy it. And they go to buy it and discover there's a four- to eight-month lead time on it. So you can have either electricity to power the air conditioning or electricity to power the new production equipment, but not both. We've seen lead times on electrical equipment, and it comes and goes um, depending on the market and the time and -hmm. the the product. In the current time frame, you haven't... In your current projects, you haven't seen any uh, problems with infrastructure yet? Well, when we bought the transformers and the equipment for uh, Yasui Corporation, uh, there was was a real lead time problem. It was 12 to 14 weeks. They were using a a method of electric called primary metering, where they actually buy their own. I can tell you're fascinated. I am. (laughs) But what, what's a primary meter? Well, primary metering, right now, you do not have primary metering here in this building. Because that means Duke is supplying the meter. Yes. With primary metering, the customer supplies all that, the transformers, the meter, everything. And uh, the good news is it's a lot cheaper under certain circumstances. Now, when I try to analyze what those circumstances are, I hate to admit another one of my... Uh, uh, lack of knowledge issues, but when I try to apply it, I can't always apply it. But sometimes primary metering saves the customer a lot of money. It takes a lot of electric, and uh, there's just, uh, I think you need to do it when the building's new. It's how you wire the building, too. Mm-hmm. And now I'm past my knowledge base. Okay. <laughs> so you really need a big building to make it. You need a lot of power. You don't need a big building. A lot of you power. Need to be burning up lots of power. Right? Well, most people aren't doing things like smelting, smelting aluminum with it uses a lot of electricity. Say four to six thousand amps. Four to six thousand amps. That's that's a lot of power. A lot of power. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's probably more power than I want to use. Let's take another short break, John, and we'll be back after this again. If you you want to make a call. It's uh, 646-595-4916. Let's listen to a Stanley Rule. Hi, I'm George Donovan with Sandler Training. I'm here to talk to you about rule number 19, never help the prospect end the interview. We've all been on sales calls where it's been uncomfortable and the prospect's acting uninterested or maybe even a little bit hostile. Your inclination is to close your portfolio, get up and walk out, but don't. This rule calls for you to hang in there 
ask the question that gets the issue on the table. Chances are, it's not you. Maybe it's your company's past performance that's the problem, or perhaps another company that sells similar products or services. Or maybe it's another salesperson that has nothing to do with you or your company, but you'll never know unless you ask. So it sounds something like this. Let's suppose your prospect's name was Bill. You'd say, Bill, you seem a little bit skeptical. Is there something that I've said or done that's made you feel this way? And if it is, could we talk about it? Or maybe you say, Bill, I sense that there's a problem. Would it be okay if we talked about that for a minute? So the important part is that you ask. It takes the pressure off of you, and it helps the prospect work through the issue so you can get by it and get back to the interview. So the next time you're in an uncomfortable sales call, don't bail. Hang in there and remember rule number 19. Never help the prospect in the interview. This is Mike Roth. I'm back with uh, John Westheimer. Is there anything else that you specifically do on the on the internet? Do you have only one website? Or do you have, you have multiple websites? We only have one website, the, uh, but there are many pages within that website. So you're welcome. We'd love to get feedback if anybody in the audience wants to go look at it, tell us what's wrong with it. So about two weeks ago, we had Ken Saunders on from Search Engine Experts. Yeah. I don't know if you're using Ken. No. He does some, some very great work. Uh, uh, Ken, if you're listening to this, Make sure you talk to John. He gave you the phone number earlier in the show. So you're going to have to listen twice. <laughs> Unless John wants to give the phone number again. The uh, phone number is 513-561-6633. I'm at a 103. And our website is www.ccontracting.com. Good. Now, John, next week you'll have to tell me, call me and let me know if any one of these people I will. call you. <laughs> I, I did want to ask you a little bit about what you're doing at uh, your companies uh, to get out in the marketplace and network with other businesses. What do you do? Well, what I uh, my daughter is the supreme networker, so she gets to every event she can get to. I try to get to every event I can get to, so we go to well, just about any event we can think of uh, within the limited time we have. So what was the last networking event that uh, John Westheimer went to? Gary Center. So we're members of the Gearing Center. We, I think we uh, also went to... So are you going to this event? 55. The uh, Gearing Center and Family uh, yeah. Private Awards Banquet? We're a nominee. We should. You're a nominee on that? Yeah. I didn't even know. Don't you think we should go? No, if you're <laughs> nominee. You don't know if you won yet? This is like the Academy Awards? I don't know. We didn't. You didn't win. <laughs> I don't think we won. Well, we never win anything. From a networking perspective, John, you're proving one of my points. Which is? You're CEO, CEO of multiple companies, and you're going to a networking event where the price of admission for an outsider is $100 a ticket. Okay. You're not going to a $10 a ticket event. You're not going to a free event put on by the Chamber of Commerce. People always ask me, where did CEOs go? Where do I go to meet them? Are you a member of a country club? No. Okay. Any other private clubs? No, not really. I do, university club. University club. Okay. So we got to we got to get you uh, an invitation to come to the downtown Cincinnati Rotary Club. 
especially if you have an old car. You, you don't own any old cars or vehicles of special interest. No. Anyone who does, give me a call, 513-753-9400. And wow. we ha- we're having a rotary picnic on the 20th of uh, September from 4 to uh, 8 p.m., and we have a car show. I'm responsible for finding the vehicles for the car show. Huh. So it, vehicles of special interest are of, of great note. Uh, one year, police commissioner Stryker, uh, when I said to him, let's have a vehicle of special interest, I thought he was going to send me an officer on a Segway. He sent the mounted officer in a big <laughs> horse trailer. <laughs> so he won He won a prize, actually, for the horse for the best vehicle without wheels. <laughs> And uh, it, it's a great picnic. Uh, benefits the uh, Rotary Club, the Stepping Stones Foundation. Uh, everyone has a great time. It's a barbecue. And uh, we have games of chance, and there are adult beverages as prizes and refreshment. Oh, my. Yes. Uh, so it's uh, that's a good networking event. Three or 400 people come out for that. Runs rain or shine on Thursday afternoon, August 20th. Uh when you look at the possibilities in the marketplace, you see this marketplace, uh, you know, growing more uh, after the election, or you think it's going to drop dead, fall off a cliff? I have no way of knowing. I think if the take uh, out your crystal ball, John. Yeah. I know you always carry one in your attache case. You know, I left it in the car. Oh, okay. I keep it a crystal ball <laughs> in, in, in the other room, with ma- magic eight ball. I mean. Do I think somebody can get elected president and change the world overnight? Not change the world, but change the momentum so we stay on the up track. Because I think the economy really is on the up track. I think Cincinnati is moving forward. I have, I was, I had a guy in here this morning, uh, and he was telling me that one of his biggest problems is he can't find enough software developers. Well, you see that in all skilled trades. I mean, there's a sign right across the hall mm-hmm. from your office, somebody looking for somebody who can do uh, data entry. Well, that sign's been there for about two months. Well, is that because there's nobody available? or? Well, that, that was because the sign was effective when there was a doctor's office here in the, <laughs> in the building for children. You mean the office is empty now? The doctor's office is empty, yes. So the the, tra- the foot traffic coming in is I see what you mean. much better. But the uh, I know people in industry cannot find help. I I have one friend who does manufacturing. He's looking for skilled machinists. Last count, he had nine positions open, and nobody he could hire for machinists. Machinists. Mm-hmm. Very hard to find a good machinist. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, how do you have 9% unemployment and no machinists? That's because nobody wants to be a machinist, I guess. I think sometimes it's because uh, people with that talent aren't here in this marketplace or they're not connecting. I think there's a real issue for recruiting. And we had another CEO tell me that uh, they're looking for extremely talented people in their industry, and they're looking for top talent. Not mediocre talent, top talent. And I said, well, they've got to be here in Cincinnati. And she said, no, they're not here in Cincinnati. I have two people full-time that are finding those people in other markets and we're busy convincing them to move to Cincinnati. 
uh, because we actually have jobs here. Mm. And I think that's true in a lot of businesses, whether it's construction or accounting right. or... Well, the big... I read an article that said the big difference between this recession and past recessions mm-hmm. is that 25% of the people out there are upside down in their home. Mm-hmm. They are not able to move. They can't move to where the jobs are because it'd be they, they can pay their mortgage where they are, mm-hmm. no matter how bad the situation. But in the old days, when people had high equity in their homes, they could just pack up and leave. And everything was fine. A little bit harder. It's much harder. I was talking to another CEO uh, last week, and uh, I can't announce his name because he hasn't picked the date to come on the show yet. But big league uh, company, you recognize the name in a minute, and you would call them a hardware manufacturer. And he says to me, Mike, I'm no longer a hardware manufacturer. I find myself in a position where our equipment has to connect to the Internet, has to connect to Apple iPhones, has to connect to Android phones. I'm a software development company. I have to employ developers. And he uh, has added a whole software department to his company because he made the intelligent choice of not offshoring his, his software project for his business to India or someplace else offshore. He wants to control it. And it makes a lot of sense. It does make sense. And I think people will find uh, that they'll, they'll, they'll want to be remanufacturing in America because, not because it's easy, it's a difficult place to manufacture, but it's a long distance between here and China and the amount of savings, the amount of savings is going to evaporate the Chinese are going to demand higher pay, and transportation is going to go up in price. The time factor is going to change things. The uncertainties are going to change things. And people are going to find, like they have in Germany and other places, if we manufacture high products and we automate it and get rid of the jobs that are better done by machines, we can be competitive. And we just have to be optimistic and look for solutions. Are people asking for uh, smart buildings? What would a smart building be? Well, I'm sitting here in my office. I take out my iPhone and I say, it's too warm in the office. I, I click two numbers in the, in the phone and the thermostat in the building turns on the air conditioning and it turns on the heat. It's too hot or too cold. Some do. We did a, a lab plant in Fairfield. He got an incredibly sophisticated HVAC system for his laboratory. He, you know, the thing, the trouble with it is it's so sophisticated that if it ever goes down, he's going to be in a, have a problem. But he loves it. He's saving a lot of energy. He's able to control it from his home at night when scientists are working at night. He can keep them comfortable. No, that would be like secure, sophisticated security, sophisticated fire control systems. No, not really. They're not asking for it or smart. Most of our customers are very practical, value-oriented people. Value-oriented. Very value-oriented. So if you're looking for value-oriented buildings, call John Westheimer at Cincinnati Commercial. Uh, Folks, we just about run out of time. Uh, John, thanks for uh, joining us here today. Thank you, Mike. And I have a copy of uh, Sandler's newest book for you, The 11 Sandler Success Principles. This has been a bestseller on the... 
uh, what Wall Street Journal list and as, as well on Amazon.com. Just came out the uh, end of April. Thanks again for being with us, John. And uh, Scott, why don't you uh, take it away? Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or comments, contact Mike at Mike Roth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.